The Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Porkfeld and Craig Cerventi. hey Hey. Welcome. We are Craig and Mike. I'm Mike. This is Craig. Hi, Craig. Hey, Mike. And this is a podcast called Verging on Greatness, where we talk about a movie that is nearly great, but not quite there. It doesn't quite hit what it's trying to do, and we try and figure out what's missing. What's that little thing, that little something that is not going on? Uh, this is uh, going to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a special one, uh, because I am in no way implying that this movie uh, fits that bill at all. Uh, this movie, the movie we're talking about uh, today is called Demolition Man. Um, from 1993 <laughs> uh, and I've already said to Craig uh, Craig proposed this one I think this one is perfect this is one of my favorite movies this is a little bit so you, so we can just end the podcast there can if, we if you can listened like, uh, to if you listened to our Robocop <laughs> special which was a Craig birthday special this is a, this is essentially the equivalent of my if not it's not my birthday my birthday is, is about three weeks before Craig's um, but uh, this is essentially my belated birthday special because I I absolutely love Demolition Man. I think it is perfect. It does absolutely everything it is trying to do. Spot on. It nails. I mean, nails. The not that I early nineties. Nails at her. Early early to mid nineties, late eighties, late eighties to, to mid nineties action mold. Um, uh, just just perfectly. It hits it. Action comedy. Action comedy. It hits it spot on. It's it's really in the wheelhouse for that Arnie Stallone mold, right? Yeah. Like you've got it, it uh, certainly the Stallone mold. Oh, it's all of them. Like we were talking about this with the last with with Jingle Jingle all the way. It's like cast Arnie, who's the straight guy, next to like um, known comedic actors. Um, you get that good vibe. It's that buddy cop without actually having to have like another big name star be yeah. the buddy cop. And in this in this instance, they're literally cops and they become buddies. It's um, it's it's perfect and there's uh, yeah uh, there's the sci-fi element as well which you, you also get from this time with total recall with running man the dystopian sci-fi dystopian future it's yeah uh, yeah it, but this although this one's a little bit different because in the other ones are all grimy dystopian sci-fi futures whereas this yeah, one's pristine clean that's true. baby this, is, this one goes the other way it's pristine clean and it, it yeah. kind of they go right up it's probably the matrix that actually breaks this that they stopped making right. movies after which this. they stopped but making between, these kind of futures some combination of the matrix and also uh, of course the comic book movies that uh became that come afterwards that, that, that yeah. really come to dominate this market uh from kind of x-men spider-man Iron Man that stage yeah Marvel's MCU, Marvel MCU DC really takes stuff. over um, yeah. but this this movie as a, you know, as a single piece of IP I can't believe there was never a sequel made because it, I mean it was it was popular and the, the movie is incredible um, I, I funnily I enough, enough there, there was both there was funnily enough there was both a sequel and a prequel almost made really um, the yeah the prequel would have been would have been set in the films past which was still when the movie was being made the future because the movie was made in 92 93 um, and it sets it in the the not so distant future of 1996 um, but the uh, prequel would have involved the um, development of the the simon phoenix and uh, john spartan dynamic and would have mm. included early com- early conflict between them and the sequel would have involved um, a, uh, a, a would have involved jackie chan as as the villain mm. 
um, and it would have involved uh, Lenina Huxley and John Spartan as a married couple dealing with with a rampaging Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was an interesting, really was a sequel. interesting production background to this movie uh, that you were you were talking a little bit about just just off here. Do you want to do you want to talk us through that? Gosh, where do you want to start? Um, so there's a Hungarian sci-fi writer who thinks that this film is like seventy five percent his his novel. Um, he he claims to know the chap in Hungary that that sold the idea to Hollywood, um, and he felt that he couldn't fight the Hollywood system uh, with his meager with his meager money. Um, he would lose. Um, so which that's is probably correct. Enough. It's probably a good instinct. Which is probably correct. Um, he thinks that there was a whole bunch of sci-fi stuff that was and film ideas that were pilfered from um, Eastern Europe when the Iron Curtain. Uh, came down or went up depending on how you want to think about it i guess um when the iron curtain was abolished um so he thinks a whole bunch of uh, intellectual property came out of eastern europe and, and made its way onto hollywood screens um if you're watching films that around this time suddenly russia becomes a filming location and a bunch of films um whereas uh, movies prior to that that it was never happened or it happened once i think in gorky park um mm. yeah and and the director um mario i think um i think his name Bellini? is mario something yeah Bellini. um he's basically directed nothing else um and um Brambia. he did a sorry Brambia, that's the one um he he directed the film he directed after this was an alicia silverstone vehicle after her surprise she was a breakout star in clueless mm. um and uh it features a very young benicio del toro mm-hmm. um and yeah and that's it that um that movie didn't go anywhere and the movie's name is excess baggage it just came to me now um and yeah it wasn't a big success and basically he has done nothing of note since certainly nothing that imdb wants to talk about so mm. yeah that, how this movie came to be uh and i was asking we'll play the uh, guess the number of producer credits in this film without looking at imdb i've already looked at imdb uh how many producers uh mike do you think are credited on this film well, like it must be a lot, right? I don't. But it's I, a I, lot. I don't, I don't it's what's, twelve. Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> twelve separate producer credits on this film. Fucking twelve. <laughs> <That's>... How? <laughs> and it went through a lot of rewrites what the as actual well. Hell, right? You, like you read. Was that sorry? The, the script yeah. went through a lot of rewrites too. So a lot. Yeah, of, a lot yeah. Of so there's at least five credited scriptwriters. Yeah. yeah, five credited scriptwriters including at least one uncredited rewrite by a guy called Frank uh, Fred Decker. Hmm. And Fred, Fred Decker seemingly was a little bit of a um, Hollywood uh, script doctor for a little while. Um, he, he made Monster Squad, amongst other things. Uh, he's also responsible for the last Predator movie, uh, the script for the last yeah. Predator movie. It's awful. So it took really like it took a lot to get this made, and you would think like often you can you you can tell that from a movie when it feels like a pastiche and there's a bunch of different ideas, and then there's hangovers from subplots that used to be there but were cut, mm-hmm. um, and and things don't quite hang together. But the I think they've they've done a really masterful job with this and and um, making taking all of that. Uh, uh, and and whether that's whether that skill or if that's just the Hollywood you know the roll of the dice every now and then you roll a you roll a twelve and everything just just falls into place maybe it's a bit of both um, but I think maybe you, you never watch this movie and think man this like there are too many elements here it's always feels really nicely balanced and I oh. think it, it fits like a, everything fits like a glove 
100%. This movie is tight. Yeah. Men in, <laughs> Men in Black is another one that went through, famous for going through a lot of a lot of rewrites, but still came out came out at the other end, just cohesive and everything, oh, everything falls into place. With like we were Black. saying offline, mate. Um, it, this film is absolutely um, lightning in a bottle. A cinematic lightning in a bottle. And yeah. uh, you replace any one element in this film and I'm, I'm sure it doesn't work anywhere near as well um i mean it's stallone at the height of his power it's sandy bullock just as she's uh just as she's coming to prominence in fact uh the next movie she goes on to do from this is uh speed, speed so this yeah. and this yeah this one-two punch of demolition man and speed cements sandy bullock as a box office draw for the next 20 years um so this uh, is and this funnily is... enough rob schneider thought because rob schneider and sandy bullock's Bullock got friendly on the set, and uh, Rob Schneider thought that uh, the the bus movie was a bad idea for Sandy Bullock and advised her not to do it. If that tells you anything about Rob Schneider's Ooh. taste. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, so 90, that's nineteen ninety three, and I think Speed was ninety five, right? And I think yeah, yeah. everybody looks at like when you're a teenager, all of the like all of the music and, and movies that came out, they always seems like the best era. And so I was like, I was 11, I was born in 82, so I was 11 when this, was, I don't think I saw this movie when it came out, probably a couple of years later, probably when I was about 13 or 14. Um, right. So I, yeah, I look back and we've talked about this, that stage where the, 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 the movies were so, the action comedy movies uh, were so special before, um, before the, the Matrix style, and don't get me wrong, I like the Matrix, I like that style, I think that's cool, it's great, and the comic books yeah but it took it from being like fun and made it like serious melodrama so like the matrix i love the matrix but it it's not the action is amazing and it's definitely that that chinese influence action the wire foo stuff yeah and the the, the, the fun the fun got anything if you're making a fun action movie then it's a it's a it's an mcu movie right that's that's that's, they've just swallowed the whole market uh, I, I guess unless you're looking at little thing, things like John Wick, um, which I think we spoke about in our in our mini pod, that was something that I watched. Yeah. Um, that didn't really resonate with me, but I know it's kind of it, it's fitting in that area. But there's much less uh, original IP coming out in that market because it's so saturated by MCU. Oh, and it's like Liam Neeson and Taken, right? So it's that sort of hyper stylized uh the violence is is very it's differently choreographed no longer is it about the hulking he-man style of action hero that you had in the 80s and 90s with arnie and sylvester stallone you know it's 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 gone that whole bruce willis way where where bruce willis is more an everyman and then then you get the keanu reeves yeah and then you wind up with that keanu reeves it's that ultra sophisticated highly stylized ultra choreographed gun you know gun foo style film um and uh like there's a whole genre of those like liam neeson and taken is exactly that highly stylized very effective like you don't i mean liam neeson's a big guy but he's not arnold schwarzenegger or sylvester stallone um and so those kind of films those are the kind of action hero films that you get now yeah Um, i really like taken but boy is there some really upsetting messaging at the core of that film yeah, about yeah. eastern europeans in paris um and when you consider that the producer the filmmaker the screenwriter are all french and what they're saying about yeah. eastern european immigrants in france whoa that gets <laughs> it gets it gets really difficult to like yeah. that movie really fast but yeah I wonder, crouching tiger hidden dragon must have had a bit of influence on that move as well that move move away from the muscle bound hulks into the to the more 
the, the oh like yeah, but say, Crouching Tiger, almost. Hidden Dragon's like almost more fairy tale than than action film. Like it has action in it. Yeah. But I, I tell you what, I haven't seen I haven't seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon since I saw it in the cinema. No. Uh, funnily, you should say when you saw this movie, Mike. I remember going on a Saturday to the cinema to see this to see Demolition Man. Yeah. Me and my friend, we uh, caught the bus into Central Auckland and we went to the cinema. Uh, and we watched this in the cinema in one of the really dilapidated central Auckland cinemas mm. before um, they all got revamped. It was a, it was a momentous day. <laughs> um, so man, so much, so much to talk about. Where do you here. want to start? And it's, and it's all good. Um, I mean, uh, casting. Sure. <laughs> uh, <you've>, like. <laughs> it's cut. Like I mean, you've already de- you've already described you've already described it where it's a a, a, a solid leading man, um, but we yep. so we if you listen Sliced to uh, listeners if you listen to the Jingle All the Way podcast we talked a bit about how Arnie you know he's he's asked to make a lot of the comedy in that and he uh, he, he doesn't doesn't have a lot of success where I think Stallone is he's more than a more than an everyman Still, having Stallone's stuff got happening jobs. around him he yep. he makes a lot of the comedy in this um he's he's, he's good at a one-liner fantastic yeah yep he's good at he's good at like you know kicking somebody's heads off and going heads up you know like that's that's 100 percent sly's territory yeah he, he, um, he and plays, he's, he's he, not a bad actor he's he plays fantastic off off sandra bullock um yep they 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 make a, a really good really good pairing um i mean this this movie has got dennis leary in it doing <laughs> dennis his... he's actually only got about he's only got about three lines one of them is about five minutes long <laughs> it's a, yep. a rant uh, he, about uh, i wrote down here um it's that 90s uh 90s era cast a comedian and let them do a tight five in the middle of the film for <laughs> no reason whatsoever <laughs> Exactly and I, I know this has happened more than once but the the only other example i could think of right off the top of my dome was uh chris rock and lethal weapon 4 yeah chris rock does a does a, a type 5 about cell phone companies and how they screw <laughs> you with the cell phones to which joe pesci gets equally animated about the cell phones so it's you've got chris rock and joe pesci bonding over cell phone companies screwing you in in in, in minutes like a very 90s conversation about cell phones but <laughs> Um, yeah. um, you've also got um, uh, is it Bob Gunton? The is the um, he, he goes on after this. He does the he plays the um, the prison master in Shawshank Redemption. He's the tight oh, ass, yes, tight, tight yes. cop, uh, tight ass, the yes, cop that's boss, where he's police, from. Police yes, chief. yes, yes, yes. Bob is, Gunton, chief. He is George Earl, completely yep. perfect uh, in in that slot. Um, uh, you got Benjamin Bratt. Who, who later Brad. goes on to star with uh, star with um, Sandy Bullock in uh, Miss Congeniality, which I, I'm not going to lie, I really like that movie. And and freaking Nigel Hawthorne as Cocteau is absolutely like yep. completely out of left field. Oh, we'll get a yep, we'll just get random like a, a, a classy British actor to play the. Um, Apparently, play he the, did not the, like the Sylvester Stallone or Wesley Snipes. So, yeah, that's not surprising <laughs> <laughs> well and it sounds like there was a lot of like a, a lot of i mean we talked about we talked about the production oh the yeah writing, apparently it sounds like there was a lot of tension yeah. between the cast as well laurie yep. petty originally cast to play lynn yeah originally she cast quit after about a day 
um, couldn't work with uh, creative differences. So yeah, know, she, she either exactly quit or was fired. Hard was to there. tell. Yeah. But lots of very yeah, hard to tell. Some degree of and, and again, there's no indication of that. Everybody seems to be firing. Everybody seems to be working together fantastically. Yeah, uh, I mean, this film has Jesse the Body Ventura in a glorified cameo role. I don't even think he gets lines um, as no. one of the as one of the um, as one of the hoods uh, that gets unfrozen later in the film. He was um, yeah, he was meant to be one of the meant to be one of the sub bosses. I think that that Stallone yep. had had a, a bit of a battle with on his way to right. the final showdown, but I think that was cut for pacing. Uh, I want to see I want to see an action sequence with Jesse the Body Ventura getting getting beat up by Sylvester Stallone. It's 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 um, Running Man all over again, yeah. just you know, with with uh, Sylvester Stallone in place of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Where's that movie? <laughs> it's, it's Jesse's Body Ventura is, expend- is a crazy guy. There must be an Expendables where that can where that can happen. <laughs> Yeah, so this this film's dripping in talent. Yeah, um, there is apparently, and I can't see it, but uh, apparently it's it's here. Jack Black is in this movie as well as one of the um, Wasteland scraps. Oh, really? So a very early role for Jack Black. I, uh, apparently, I heard this and I went looking for footage of it, but I couldn't find it. But apparently, okay. he was one of the Wasteland scraps. While we're talking about the cast, I want to do. I've already mentioned this, but I wanted a spe- another special shout out, Sandra Bullock is absolutely on point as lenina oh um, yeah she's so she's so good in this so easy to overplay lenina but sandra bullock gets her just just right she's just that just, wide-eyed just the right, yeah just yep. just the right yep. amount um you know she's she's blending blending the the kick-ass um strong woman with the the mindless innocent um, you know, in a in yep. a field of in a field of mindless like, in a world of mindless innocence. Yeah, she she she. I was going to say it's that. a fish out of water story, except um, the fish the water is out of the fish, and so yeah. Sylvester Stallone is like the only one. It's like it's a nice twist on the fish out of water story, but yeah, he's the, uh, he's yeah, the he's same. The only one seeing he's the, the same man in an insane world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Which okay, so so well good good opportunity to move on and, and talk about the story and the setup because it's... is there any other casting you want to talk about rob schneider is on this just like just pointing that out there and he's not absolutely insane no so, i mean how they kept him under wraps is yeah, he's absolutely he's beyond me. fine <laughs> it's fantastic rob fucking schneider um, rob schneider turns back up with sylvester stallone and judge Dredd a couple of years later oh yeah 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 yeah. so he's he, actually my favorite thing about that movie I, I i watched that movie when it came out i i watched it again recently i quite like the character of judge dread every time i think to myself you know what that sylvester stallone judge dread movie it wasn't that bad and then i watch it and i'm like yep it was it was that bad <laughs> so there's so the story um like you said uh same like you said fish out of water uh, so um sylvester stallone plays john spartan he's a cop tough guy cop he is framed by his nemesis um uh, simon phoenix simon phoenix uh and they both go into like a a cryogenic prison it's a new kind of a a new 
kind of system for dealing with bad guys that is being put in place in the future because crime has gotten so bad and in 1993 that probably wasn't that big a stretch I think in 1993 they probably had just had like the the OJ Simpson yeah. uh, riots, yeah. um, or, or or they might, sorry not the OJ Simpson Roger riots. King. What am I talking about? Uh, the the yeah. Is that the name Roger the King? King riots? Rodney King. Roger King. No, I feel really Rod- Rodney, Rodney King. King. Um, the Rodney King riots. Um, uh, the, and so like I guess that's kind of feeding on that yeah. idea that like you could have these. The entire city of LA descend into yeah. fire and madness, and it's um, only it's only three years. Wait into till the, they wait f- till they see the far flung future of yeah. twenty twenty and, and the riots that go three on. Years, then. Three years into so. the future, that's that happens, and so he's so so jump forward thirty years. That's a that's a quick prologue. Jump forward thirty years, and um, Phoenix is up. Simon Phoenix is up for parole. The entire world crime crime has been eliminated. It's it is it is brave new world somehow. Um, yeah, it really has become brave new world. Somehow, and it, it, it ties it in with a, a, a massive earthquake that supposedly happened in 2010, um, that that yeah. caused a lot of society to be reshaped, and um, but mostly but, led by this guy Cocteau, who's uh, Nigel Hawthorne. Yeah, character. so but, but here comes the first of my questions: Is like the whole world being reshaped by this guy Cocteau, or just Los Angeles? If you go to New York, is it just the same old crime-infested city as it is today? Like. Um, the thirty-year gap is my is one of my few beefs with this film. Is it's too short. Mm. Like, why not swing for the fences? Two hundred years mm. in the future, uh, they wake up two hundred years in the future. Um, like the technology is not going to have moved on that much, I guess. So maybe they were trying to explain why they weren't traveling the far off distant spaces, uh, space uh, planets in mm. space. And know thirty years seems real short for a huge shift in society if you have a look at where we've actually come in the last 30 years i'd say we're more or less in the same place yeah with so. with no and in fact that was one of one of uh, one of the points i wanted to make is how how on point that a lot of the technology predictions are there's voice yeah you know face facetime calling facetime um, face the, uh, voice commands um payment payment through, handheld devices payment through chips admittedly that happens through yeah. a phone now rather than through a chip in your hand but um yeah uh, almost no use of money or uh, all, all, yeah, all transactions all are done online um, which you know in 1993 gosh in the UK um, you, you rarely even use um, ATM cards as well it's um, everything's pay wave off your phone hmm. so um, contactless they call it here I think the, the he uses it like a kiosk at one point where to, to look up some yeah, information which is, which is a bit of yeah. an odd thing you don't see many of those around it's all it's all done on your own personal device which admittedly which he doesn't have yeah. he's one of the few people who doesn't have a chip um but but yeah so he I, can't easily be tracked yeah but there's there's but so Len, much lenina huxley quickly quickly points out that they can track him using the car he's stolen yeah. so she's proving herself to be an effective an effect an effective police officer this is the other point that i, I kind of little, get a little bit funny about is it like there's a line early on about how the police uh, rob schneider says we're police officers we're not trained to deal with this level of violence or this sort of violence in a in a turn to camera like ah yeah. yeah that's exactly what you're meant to be doing um but uh there are people in that room who would have 100 percent of and one of them is when sylvester stallone is introduced uh zachary lamb I think his name is um, nice biblical name. Uh, he 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 and John knew each other from the old days, and like 
Zachary Lamb remembers exactly how violent things were. He was there for for crying out loud. Um, so there, there will be people in that mm. world unless there was a war. I don't know. There's I have questions about the world that this film doesn't probably probably wisely steers clear of in case uh, you ask too many questions or the answers they give hold them in a in a logic trap. Yeah, they obviously they wanted the time frame to be as enough that they could include people from the past from the flash from the the prologue in the future because they do the same with the um the guy who runs the prison will smithers who's yes sentenced, they have a young and an old version of him. john yeah and then he's there at the um, parole hearing for phoenix that's right um, and he's he loses he loses an eye because he phoenix needs to do a needs to pass a retina scan retinal so scan to, so he takes an eye takes it takes out the guy's eye um which is <laughs> uh, again another 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 brilliant example of what's you know, that that kind of that kind of unique brand of violence that was quite common in, in this, that was quite brutish in, in this yeah. era. Robocop has these as well. And, um, yeah, kind this of ultra violence, unique, unique forms of ultra violence rather than the, the, the clean kind of martial arts. Although not many, not, you don't mostly see people killed. In so this explicit movie. violence is not quite, seen. Yeah. It's actually quite, more in the kind of Tank. kick them in the chest a few times and then they're, then they're down um whereas like compare that to uh john wick where uh multiple headshots in a single scene yeah um, and graphic headshots too not like off camera headshots but actual depictions of body yeah. mutilation so it's, um, it is yeah. it is more in the nickelodeon kind of kind of violence than than a lot of um, yeah and i suspect very stuff. strongly um because because of the time frame this movie is made uh, which is the early 90s late 80s like um and it's a joel silver joint so there's there's like some clear there's some clear um checkpoints that you have to hit with a joel silver action film it's it uh, one you've got to have the tie-in song so there's a song called demolition man by a known artist sting uh mm. does the demolition song uh two there's the violence like there's a there's a steady stream of violence but not too much violence uh, three, it's R-rated, so you can have nudity and swearing. And I would suggest strongly that this film, this is kind of before uh, things started getting a little bit funny and theaters started cracking down really hard on like R ratings and stuff in America mm. in particular, uh, where kids would just go to R-rated movies anyway. Mm. Uh, and then I think it was a little after this, it was kind of a bit of a moral panic about what kids, what the amount of violence that kids were being shown. Uh, and they, and certainly with video games, like this is around the time of Doom and Mortal mm. Kombat, and parents and and people started to get a little bit tetchy about the amount of violence that was on display, and so about this time, uh, and they work at, so they start enforcing the hard R's, and like filmmakers start moving towards your PG 13s and your G ratings, mm. um, and so this is probably one of the last of these films where you'll have like actual like this kind of violence it's the holy trinity right it's it's, it's contained sex violence and and, and harsh language yeah. um and like as a as a teenager i'm like that's the movie i want to watch <laughs> i want to watch that movie um you see that green sticker come up and it's like no that's a shit movie i don't want to watch the green <laughs> sticker movie <laughs> you know different time they, they, they do throw in an absolutely pointless um topless shot nudity topless shot yeah <laughs> it's just it's, it's no it's like reason gorgeous to, woman accidentally no reason facetimes the wrong place it's like <laughs> you know what this movie you needs. just see joel silver going what we need here is a blonde and she needs to be naked 
looking 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 Joel back it's, it's it's actually quite gratuitous it's just it just comes out of nowhere he's just sitting down he's doing some police work mm, i'm sylvester stallone i'm a serious cop i'm gonna do some police work he's knitting isn't suddenly, he like he's, he's yeah because he's, he's trying yeah to, suddenly there's naked woman he's trying to watch the he's trying to watch the footage of of oh of yes Ron phoenix and cocteau and just ta-da. suddenly naked woman yeah just because we Love need it. one, we, we t- it's, it's you're not good. It's not Sandra. We just had the, no, just no. Sandra, that. Sandra doesn't do it. No, I kind of feel like there's a world in where this this the script does have Sandra with a with a needless. Um, well, the uh, yeah, that's, that scene. I mean, they could have shot that in in fa- a much a bunch more, of different ways, a much more gratuitous way. Um, um, but they, yeah, they they chose to go quite chose to go quite a different way with that. Um, they really did. Oh man! So, look, we, we're not going to have time to go through the whole the, the whole story um, beat by beat. Although I think it's worth it because I think it's put together really well. We can hit some high points. Um, I'd, so I'd, you really like this. You really, really like this as a story, like as a script. Yeah, that's your thing. It's, so so I, I just I I've rewatched it, and I, I, there were a couple of things that I, I noticed that I thought were really just really cleverly done in this in the script that, that demonstrate that it's it's not just a kind of wham bam action movie it's actually it's a script mm. that's put together well and it knows what it needs to do to to to, to meet the the kind of meet the story beats obviously but also the, mm-hmm. the turning points and all that but also balance the ups and downs um so so uh, and I'll, I'll talk most mostly about the first act um which where you have so you have a prologue um, where you meet uh, you meet Phoenix and you meet Spartan um, hero villain dynamic uh, easily worked out um, but that takes a you know that lasts for about seven eight minutes and then they you go into the, mm-hmm. the credit sequences that was also the freezing sequence which I, I really like as a kind of you have the hard action opening and then you have the cool off the literal it's like a bond opening the, right it's so you have correct the, exactly yeah um uh, you have the you have the prologue, yeah, and, the bond, and got the, this, the opening gambit, uh, yeah. and it's 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 wonderfully shot. You see the, the the set, the cryo set, which is going to come back. You're going to be there for the climax, but you're introduced to that whole cryo set that doesn't change in the thirty years, yeah, um, from the beginning. Um, uh, it sets up that the, uh, uh, there's far too many kind of setups and payoffs to go through, but it sets up a bunch of things. Uh, is it cold in here or is it just me that comes back i'd lose my head if it wasn't attached that comes back attached comes Um, back so so they're setting up and paying it off there's there's no waste it is it's all it's it's all contributing to the layers that will will pay off down the track as as the kids are saying like it's it's all thriller no film it is absolutely um (laughs) and so then you get um the, the sentencing you get some exposition in the sentencing as well the guy so will smith as i mentioned here he explains what's happening we don't know anything about this cryo stuff at this point but it's all do, it's done through it's done in two ways because you're in a slow sequence now uh, but you're still building john's character at the same time because the guy's going through the sentencing he's explaining what's happening to the audience but you're also getting some yep. character from john as well because he's giving his skip it lines he doesn't yep, skip he doesn't line. care for this bureaucratic bullshit he's already resigned to it yep. you do what i'm gonna do i'm a simple guy um 
Um, One would say he's he's Spartan in his he, attitude. He is. The names, uh, the, the names, the names of course, right they, they pay off in multiple ways. John Spartan, Lenina Huxley, Huxley's reference to Aldous Huxley, um, writer of Brave New Le- World. Lenina is, is, is one of the characters. Um, yep. Simon Phoenix. He John, John, yep. Phoenix John Savage. Um, ashes and he uses Phoenix and, rises from um, the ashes. Uh, and or Simon, in this case, an ice bath. Simon he uses yeah. uses Simon Sears. It's um, yeah, yeah. It, it's all it's all. It's it's really well done. It's it, it's incredibly dense. But so so with with the, the rest of the opening act, you don't see John. You don't see his. He's he's frozen. Um, and it's the the entire first act after that prologue is about establishing the world, meeting Lenina and understanding her, and then Phoenix escaping. Um, and the, the making the decision to unfreeze John. So John coming back into the story doesn't happen until 30 minutes in. That's the first turning point. That's the start of the second act. So you've gone a long time without your hero in the movie. Essentially the entire first act after the prologue, hero is gone. Mm. There's one thing they do, which is, which is, you know, one thing they do is they have him save a cat. They are, so as Lenina is showing the other police um, footage of John, there's a, 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 one of the, one of the scenes that comes up in the, in the file footage of John is him carrying a little girl um, out of a burning building. She, he's, and the, he's and saving the reporter the cat. is asking. The reporter yep. asks, do you think it's, it was worth destroying an entire mini mall to save a girl who's, for whom the bounty was only $25,000? And, she, and the little girl says, "Fuck you, lady." Yeah, and he and he, Fuck you, he lady. agrees. He has some sort of line <laughs> of agreement. Um, not only is it the, you know, an incredibly funny line, but it's that it's, building. It's great. It's actually my favorite John's line in the whole character. film. Is... You're you're establishing John. Uh, you're, he's he's saving a cat. Um, and then uh, the first thing that happens after he is unfrozen. So again, we need to build his character fast. We need to establish empathy for him fast. All we've seen is him as a as a gun-toting muscle, um, hulker muscle, right? So what do they do? They give him a, a wife and a daughter. The wife is dead. And a daughter. Uh, and he, uh, and and again, performance. Sandra Bullock uh, is absolutely touching when she delivers this news. She gets it just right. She's played the she's played the innocent, but she knows how to interact with this guy. She has empathy where everybody else in the world, and she's playing off. Um, She's playing off Bob Gunton's. He comes in harsh. He comes in hard as nails. He's abusive, and he thinks he should go right back. And he doesn't. He doesn't. He's not behind this idea at all. Um, which which also informs you that um, Lenina absolutely runs this whole show. She's she's the only she's the only only police officer in this whole operation with the, the slightest hint of a spine. Um, mm. um, but so they introduce introduce uh, the wife and the daughter. The wife is dead. She died in the uh, died in an earthquake. Um, um, the big one. The big one. Um, the daughter. We don't know what happens. In fact, I read on the Wikipedia page that some some testing audiences thought they were setting up Lenina to be the daughter, um, and and uh, then got a bit got a, a bit squeamish dynamic. when they wound up they wound up in a kind of in the luke and leia kind romantic of situation uh an, un, un, yeah. kind of unknowing romantic situation but that was never that was never the intention there was in a, 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 a prior version of the script there was a subplot where he went to track down the daughter what they do later on is they, they yeah. mention her he mentions her again later on but the, the the thing i really like about this and then i'll stop ranting about this and we can talk about something else so there, there is the scene it is an absolute downer 
right that this is a grim scene mm. he has just been unfrozen he's just been through this horrible experience he looks ruined he looks like a mess of a man he's just been told that his wife is dead it is a it is a downer what scene so the yeah. scene that comes after that is one of the funniest lightest scenes in the movie they introduce like if you ask people who saw this movie 30 years ago what's one thing you remember they will say the three seashells it is the the, the, the most memorable seashells. the most memorable motif in the movie is the three seashells that comes, and it's got to be one of the best running gags yeah, in cinema fan, ever fantastic um, fantastic running gag but it but it comes like that's that's deliberate that comes after the low that's right. Because the, you have, that, to, you have that, that to bring this, They need to bring that up. You need to and then they, you need to kick it and out. And they do it again. What's the other memorable memorable comedic scene in this movie? The sex scene that comes after he mentions oh, yes. the daughter again as they're driving away yep. from the dinner at Taco Bell, and we'll talk about that in a bit. As they're driving away, he mentions <laughs> that you know they're having a quiet moment. He's looking out the window. She asks him what's wrong. He says, "I'm thinking about my daughter growing up in this world. I'd like to reach out to her, but I, I, yep. I don't think it would be good." Downer. What comes after that? Yeah, sex scene, hilarious scene, hilarious sex scene. Brilliant. So they, yeah. they they hit they reach the ups and they they time the ups and the downs just right. That's not an accident. That the the absolute money scenes, the best scenes come after the downers. They so it's it's the the pacing because they need the downers. They need they need you to feel they need to build empathy for John quickly. They need to do that. Um, you know they, they need to be strong, but they don't want to they don't want to linger in in that in those mm. grim moments so they, they kick it straight back out and and I, I want to talk about the three seashells scene as well because i think there is so much going on in that scene as i as i rewatch mm. that that I, I really think is worth going through so so the, it's, it's the first it's his first scene after that unfrozen scene right it's it's grim um someone mm. asks where he is and benjamin brant says hey uh he was in he was in the bathroom he must have gotten thawed out all right um poo joke scat scat humor fine good start he comes out he comes out sure. he comes out of the bathroom and it's the first scene you see of him in the uniform and he's got the john wayne walk um he looks like a yeah, tough guy Every, everybody's looking around at him holy shit tough big tough guy just walked in um yeah. and the first thing he says he says to lanina you you guys are out of toilet paper so you, you've you've got the the, the toilet humor and then you've got this you're, you're you're bringing down the humor of bringing down the the tough guy and making him yep. making him weak right tough tough guy brought low uh and then and then everybody laughs um yeah they, they've they've they have a bit of a joke about this the fish out of water right this guy who guy yep. who's he's in a new world and he doesn't know how that that nobody uses toilet paper anymore uh so you've got um scatological humor you've got um, fish out of water you've got tough guy brought low and then they introduce the absurd right which is no nobody uses toilet paper paper anymore it all happens with the three seashells the three fucking it's, seashells there are so, there's so much going on in this in this scene and it all happens it plays out in about 30 seconds um yeah. and, and, and you introduce that three seashells it is it's so it's so well written they get all these they get all yep. these elements in together at once and then they tie it to there's there's an interlude where he goes and talks to goes and talks to zach goes and, talk to, goes and talks yep. to zach lamb um, um and we've already established, already established earlier about the, the morality violation yep. because yep. so people get fined yep. and they get a they get a, ticket, get a ticket for swearing and uh, that ticket is printed 
even though they've also established yep. that there is nobody pays anything anymore that ticket is printed out because they need it for the toilet paper gag that he's going to go and he's going to yep. go and deliberately say a bunch of swear words to the machine so he gets some paper and that's <laughs> and scene that ends it is it's so good absolutely brilliant that is yep. just flawless so so well paced and and that joke that the whole the whole getting a morality fine thing um plays out for the rest of the yep. film every so time someone's swears. running every time someone every swears, time he hear swears the, hear the alarm can, and they're within earshot of a, of a building you can hear the the siren go off um, and and the <laughs> voice gets, saying you've been fined it gets half a credit louder and quieter yeah. based on how where they are <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious it's really good so and they'll good. just be having a regular scene uh, I, I think there's a scene in the taco bell which i'll which i'll talk about next um but there's a scene in the taco bell and he swears and in the background you can hear the machine go <laughs> you've been fined half a credit <laughs> it's so good it just keeps playing out again and it's and nigel again. hawthorne's it's so voice good. as well he's so yeah he's so dry <laughs> and you know, I, I was just—I was wondering. We keep saying how how did this movie, um, how did this movie coalesce and come together? Considering that the director is basically, well, they would have gotten this director because um, Sylvester Stallone—he's like one of these um, guys in the '90s where uh, he probably runs the movie on set anyway. There's no way you're going to mm. put an auteur director in charge of Sylvester Stallone. The two of them will fall out immediately because Sylvester Stallone is himself a director producer. Um, with 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 an Oscar credit to his to to his name, um, he he won for Rocky. Um, so he's he's got writing chops as well. He wrote Rocky. He's got an he's got an Oscar for that. You can't tie him down. Not mm-hmm. in this time period. Mm-hmm. He's too big. Um, so yeah, hundred percent. You get somebody in who just basically basically keeps the crew on track, yeah. pointing the camera in the right direction. Um, and so so there's two things. This movie is held together by Joel Silver who in the 90s produced every action film you can think of that you like, um, and 80s, 90s, and to this day. And uh, it's it's saved in editing by Stuart Baird, uh, Braid, mm. uh, who is probably one of the, the best working... Uh, Baird, I think his name is, he's English. Um, best working um, editors today. Um, and he's still working today. Uh, but yeah, uh, not everything he's done is genius, but mm. certainly in terms of, I think this is definitely saved in the editing suite. Mm. So uh, they just needed someone to capture shit on film. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. That's the way. It, that's the way it seems. Yeah, I agree. He also Stuart um, Baird also uh, also um, edited Superman, so mm. he's got a, he's got a list of credits to his name that's that's worthwhile. Lethal Weapon, Die Hard Two, the works. Um, do you want to talk about Taco Bell? Oh, so I didn't. So the version you watched, Mike, did you get Taco Bell or Pizza Hut? I got Taco Bell. I got Pizza Hut. So there's a scene in the middle of this film. It's it's the '90s. Everything ties in. Uh, clearly, there was a there's a great joke about how Taco Bell or Pizza Hut, depending on which one, which uh, which region you you saw this in, uh, won the franchise wars, and so everything is now Taco Bell slash Pizza Hut. Uh, and there's some. Um, they clearly filmed it on the day as Taco Bell, and they had a couple of pickups uh, to get a Pizza Hut logo into the background. But yes, uh, so there's a famous scene in Taco Bell, which uh, if you don't have Taco Bell in your region, it's just really awful, um, awfully produced Mexican-styled food 
uh, you get burritos and tacos, as the name suggests. But in Europe and, and the rest of the world, where Taco Bell really wasn't a thing in the 90s, Pizza Hut. Mm. So you have early you have early substitution of the logos for Pizza Hut. There's a couple of shots. There's a really awful CG insert of Pizza Hut over a Taco Bell truck um, when uh, Edgar Friendly's uh, scraps turn up and ruin the ruin the dinner with him and, and um, uh, Lenina Huxley and, and um, Cocteau and all the rest of them at that restaurant uh, where he's called a he's called a brute. Um, by the woman who thinks that's a huge insult yeah um but yeah it's 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 fantastic the the taco bell joke is also pretty decent about how everything is now taco bell yeah it's it's one of one of the many and it's 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 amazing that so many of these jokes land you would think them you would expect to have a few that flop and in fact i think the the woman telling him off and then he says she says what would you say if i called you a bunch of a bunch of kind of a bunch of long words and he says i don't know thanks that's actually was one of the few gags that doesn't hit that well taco bell hits on point the schwarzenegger presidential library hits on point all oh these, that's pretty good but they were they were taking pot shots yeah, at each other all these kind of, all all these kind of weird, weird future weird things in the future um so many of those jokes work where it, it's almost feels <laughs> or like, the it's almost uh, a how Mel Brooks, everyone just like a Mel Brooks type of Mel Brooks. type of filmmaking, where they just they just throw as many jokes as they can about how crazy yeah, the future is. Yeah, there's is, a joke happening so everywhere. From land, um, but it's like, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, that the, they went to the trouble of making that change between the Taco Bell and the and the Pizza Hut. And I think you know you mentioned the the amount of that the, the the way movies were made in this time and the amount of marketing tie-in and how well the that way was. movies are made today. Hmm. Like you have all of these tie-ins, and so uh, this movie has clearly got a tie-in with um it's rest in new zealand i think it's restaurant brands and they yeah. actually own Same uh, taco bell pizza them, yeah. yeah kfc owns all of them they've got ties to i think pepsi as well or pepsi owns them all together uh but obviously they were like oh well different markets don't have taco yeah. bell so the joke's written for taco bell one we can get a tie-in for taco bell in the script it might have been mcdonald's i think it um, was actually but, i think i saw that it was mcdonald's i'm so glad they landed with taco bell because it sounds taco sillier. bell <laughs> yeah it's so nuts um but yeah so but it's still to this day films are made like oh so this movie has also got a tie-in with oldsmobile um mm. uh, so yeah. uh, which is a, a gm brand so there's the there's later in the film there's a car chase uh but the cars are branded oldsmobile and like you'll see that again and again like later audi does it as well audi has futuristic cars in the minority report which takes a couple of ideas from this film uh, which may or may not have existed in the originals, original uh, book source material for Minority uh, Report. Mm. Uh, and the whole cryo-prison idea, that, that turns back up in Minority Report as well. Like, people are frozen in stasis. I don't know if you've seen Minority Report. Um, but yeah, um, Spielberg does it slightly better with a, mm. with a slightly different with a slightly different take. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's bonkers. Mm. Um um uh yeah Lene- other th- other things that work that, that look, they have no right to work as well as they do but uh, lanina get you know she she gets her she tries to use 90s phrases and she gets them wrong she says oh she keeps, yeah, we yeah really you really we really licked licked his ass, ass. Kicked his ass. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah that works you know fantastically so much of that stuff the fact what does she say instead of met his match matched, uh, matched his meat and licked his matched ass. his meat um and, and the, the fact that ass. everybody listens to commercials like commercial songs yep. has, has replaced regular music everybody just listens to um commercials yeah so you, you, that that serves two parts right because you can also get a, a you can get a um, a shot in for armor hot dogs yep. 
uh, as well. Yeah. Um, a couple of other things about the so yeah, the comedy is fantastic. One other thing I noticed watching this again, um, but, and because we're now we're getting close to so the future setting is twenty thirty two, which is now ten years, still another ten years away. But it's I mentioned the technology and how amazing you know, how much of what the technology is in place now they predicted. Um, Lamina's fashion is on point. Um, mm. the, the the tight black leggings that she wears in her cop outfit, yep. uh, the dress that she wears to Taco Bell, um, which apparently weighed a whole bunch, um, and it was all like custom stones and stuff like that. Really? And, um, yeah, they had a problem with it. It was definitely not an outfit that was designed to be worn hard, yeah. and so it was. Uh, yeah. She's she does a bit of jumping around at one point, but if you look at the end of the scene of that Taco Bell scene, she stood with her arms pretty tightly clasped to the side of her that's because the jumping up and down was causing this thing to literally break apart oh, wow. <laughs> um so yeah the the men's the men's fashion yeah. has, has uh, they were expecting a bit more progress in men's fashion um men's fashion but yeah it's all it's all wide-shouldered so. leather stuff yeah. um it makes me want to just go because this was around about the time when um they started to get a lot of actual fashion designers involved in the costume design and it just makes me wonder if mm. there was a famous costume designer because um uh the fifth element has rather famously has a um a, a french fashion oh. designer as the the costumer I'm to remember his um, name. and so it's got this yeah me too i feel i feel really bad i should have looked this up beforehand um but yeah the costume design uh definitely has a look and feel to it it makes me feel like there was an actual um I can't see who the costume designer was in the credits. So that's a shame. Uh, keep going, Mike. I'll see if I can pick it up. Uh, Bob Rigwood. Uh, so not, not specifically a, um, a fashion designer. Uh, he, he did the, he did the costumes on June okay. just to be, uh, <laughs> who was the, was it, was it, it's not Jean-Paul Gaultier, is it? Who was the, um, was it Gaultier? No, did, yeah. The, um, do you want me to look that yeah. up real quick? Yeah. Check yeah. that out for us. Um, listeners just talk amongst yourselves while, talk amongst yourself or craig and and mike do some actual research for a change um <laughs> i think it was gautier could be wrong uh i remember like he yeah we, hey you nailed it mate jean paul oh, gautier wow. boom yeah freaking nailed pop, it look at you pop quiz pop quiz question yep <laughs> but yeah so like yeah it was of that time period where um, they were actually starting to get like big, big name fashion, like mm. fashion designers designing costumes. Mm. I mean, that's happened throughout history, but, um, but yeah, in, in this time period, Hollywood was like, you know what we should do fashion designers. Yeah. So rather than traditional costume, uh, costume and wardrobe in any regard. Yeah. Men's fashion was, was all, it was clearly very Japanese influenced cause there's a lot of kimonos, um, and, uh, robes yeah. and then the police are walking around and, updates of the lapd black um but now they've got leather jackets and very broad shoulders yeah. so yeah yeah it's on point um what else do you want to say about this film mate um i like i like the there? i like the the kind of the overall theme i think is a, is a really nice that kind of you know uh what what's the price of freedom um because it's as, as, yeah. uh, when when crime gets so bad, it's the Clockwork Orange, a Clockwork Orange, that that question, which apparently was a major major influence in this film, um, really? was Clockwork Orange. I mean, there's a lot With, of yeah. there's a lot of uh, sci-fi references in this film, and Clockwork Orange is definitely one of them. Yeah, so it's where, where you can have 
you can have your peaceful future, but it comes at the cost of Mozart or Beethoven. Yeah, and, 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 I mean, if the the people in the future have their own language as well. They've got a, a very unique way of speaking, which is the same as Clockwork Orange. Um, yeah. Uh, not so much in the that they have invented their own words as they have in Clockwork Orange, but certainly they they speak in a way that's very different. Everybody refers to everybody else by their full name, and there's, it's almost it's yeah. almost more Shakespearean. It's a more complicated way of speaking. Um, you, you, cop- you inspire these, inspire joy joy feelings yeah. in all those around you, which is very much um, Alpha Plus Plus from yep. uh, Strange New World yep. um, and nineteen eighty four. Nineteen eighty four. You distill yeah. words down like you just. Yeah. Um, so, but it's yeah. I, I think I, that theme. I, you know, I always like that as a, as a as, as a theme in a movie. That question of um, how what's you know what how what the, the language comes it's, to it's be. always relevant right it's relevant it's it's relevant in this time and it comes up a lot in the um in a lot of the, a lot of the covid conversation is is this is not worth the, the like freedom is more important personal freedom is more important is more important than than um happiness and comfort in life and obviously this is a world where they've, they've, they've chosen comfort this is a, a dystopian view of what happens when you choose when you choose comfort and you um sacrifice freedom for for comfort and security and safety well choice you sacrifice personal Personal choice choice. because that's that's what all of uh dennis leary's thing is about it's like you're not allowed to choose to to smoke a cigar or you can't choose to eat a bucket of lard um, or cover yourself in green jelly and run down the street naked um yeah just because you just might skip straight out of his you just might feel the need yeah exactly um yeah it's so, so it's interesting that they cast him as l- the literal anarchist, um, but yeah, yeah, he's essentially by the same token, himself. Yeah, the the future is so sterile that there is no more crime um, unless you don't want to live in that future, in which case you starve to death, which is literally Dennis Leary's line: you mm. can choose his way and live up there, or choose my way and live down here, maybe starve to mm. death. So, yeah. Although I've got to say, there seemed to be a lot of rat burger going around. So, <laughs> um, gosh, what else is there More, to say about this man, film? That's an, another scene um, demonstrating Stallone's absolutely on point comedy um, chops, where he gets the rat burger. Oh, and another product placement: Rolex watches. Yeah, he hands Rolex. over her Rolex yeah. watch. Rolex. Oh, <laughs> and, and apparently, all he gets for that is a rat burger and a beer. That's the most expensive rat burger and beer in history. <laughs> um, um, it was funny. You were just talking about the language. Like this, this movie reminded me of when I was watching this for this podcast. It reminded me of another movie where it had invented its own use of language, which happened to be Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, the third of the Mad Max mm. films. Um, which which is probably ripe for this podcast. I was actually going to suggest that we do it, so I won't talk too much about it. But there is. Um, there is a lot of language that has been invented for the film and use of language which reflects the the culture and societies uh, at least two societies in uh, beyond thunderdome where the language has been adapted for its purposes and it is very very well done mm. um, the movies are the movie itself is a little bit flawed mm. but uh, worth maybe discussion down the track but yeah i agree i like it when movies invent language would yeah. invent uh, speech patterns yeah. for for their purpose. And you hold, you, yeah. you carry that through, and the writer makes the commitment to hold that. Yeah, they commit to it. It's yeah. not just, it's not just d- 
disappears in the first yeah. uh, in the first ten film ten minutes of the film. And again, Lenane, uh Sandy Bullock, all the way through, right till the final scene, is is committed to the part, and she's really selling yeah. it. So, hey, one star making turn. One more thing to mention: we've got a few minutes left, um, and 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 we've got time to make one more point about how much I like the plot. We mentioned that it's Schwarzenegger presidential library. Um, and you know, oh, that's, yes. it's, it's, it's a little bit self-referential. It's a joke within a joke because Stallone and Schwarzenegger were very much, you know, they were two pieces. They were, they were, they were, they were the they same were similar person, types. similar types, similar yeah. types of movies, Austrian and Italian versions of the same thing. Yeah. 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 They, they filled similar roles. And so but Schwarzenegger would, would go on to become governor of California. He would, would, he would go on to have a, have a, um, uh, political, political career. career that's correct uh, but th- that just reminded me of another thing which I, I really liked about this and the way that it, it operates in a bit of a self-referential way and you you, you touched on this at the start uh, and I was going to mention it um, mention it then um, but you you just you described Stallone as the, the he-man type um, uh, and uh, Sandra Bullock actually has she has a line as, the, as they, that calls them as they are driving type. away from the um from the, 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 the from taco bell and this is the this is the down scene that leads into that into the sex scene and into the talk the talk about the daughter that goes on to the sex scene as i mentioned this is the, the beginning of the down mm, is that mm, he's he's yelled at her because she's gotten all excited because he's he's kicked some ass but he's said he's 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 gotten angry at her because the scraps aren't bad he, yeah because he has had the she, mouse to see that the scraps aren't baddies they're just they're just hungry people trying to try they're to, just hungry try to get some and food. he says he says that exact line he says um they're I, I don't like um they're not bad people they're just looking for food yeah. they're hungry and her, yeah he, he tells that to cocteau and his yeah. friends hurting, outside the hurting people is not a good thing especially yeah. uh, sometimes it is comedy sometimes not it when is. it's yeah. not when it's just a bunch of people looking for food and and she has she has a line on that car ride he says, "I'm sorry," and she—that's right. She has a line, and it's it's phrased. It uses that language, but it all, it's also phrased in movie language, because she's yep. summarizing his character. And I wrote this down. She says, "I had you, I had you placed as a blow up the bad guy with a happy grin, he man type, when in fact you're more of a moody, troubled gunslinger who will only draw when he must type." So she's like those those lines fit in the in the in, that's her mode of speaking in, in the context of the film but they are all because she's a she's yeah. a 90s film buff yeah they are also they are just they are descriptions of his character that you might find in a casting sheet um it's yeah. I, I really liked that that it's 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 got that referential kind of it's almost literally what was written it could in have, the script it could have been um and it could have and been his response like, is you, you think he's a happy-go-lucky blow up the bad guy he-man type but really he's a moody gunslinger type and like that's almost literally the character description yeah. at the top of the page and he goes on yeah. to say i'm no, I'm, I'm none of those things i'm, I'm just a guy yeah I'm, you know, I'm just an ordinary he has he's, i forget what his line is but he's just an ordinary he's trying to he's, he's using that line i'm just a cop i'm just doing my job you know that job that kind of john wayne <laughs> kind of strong silent type line um I, right. One of oh, one other thing that I thought um, interesting that they chose to name the movie Demolition Man, um, and and not not point in any way to what the movie is actually about in the title. Yeah, because his his um his, his moniker in the in the film is he's been he's been dubbed the Demolition Man because he he tends to cause a lot of destruction when he's when he when he's going about his job. Mm. So the name is in context 
his name in the film, but, The Demolition That's Man. That's a great name for a movie. But it really doesn't sell the title of yeah. the film at I all. Wanna, I wanna, well, it's, it, it, it's, it's a brave a brave decision on the part of the writers and I guess the producers and, and even the marketers to, to go with a title that doesn't say anything at all about what the movie is actually about. Um, yeah, but that, that and again is like in keeping with those sort of um, those films from that time period, especially Joel Silver films where they are very much you know it's it's commando it's it's die hard it's lethal weapon like that those are all yeah those that's are the true. kind of titles that joel silver films have that's true die hard like you can almost predict come on i mean yeah yeah commando that's about commandos die hard is it's about a commando die hard doesn't yeah. tell you anything at all about what die hard is about it yeah it should be called terrorists in a building or something and yeah Demol- demolition man should be <laughs> 40 stories up. future cop or something like that you know yeah yeah um <laughs> And we talked about this in Rob- when we talked about Robocop. With Robocop, he's a robot. He's a cop. Robocop. Well, everything you, everything you, know. you need to know about the movie. But Demolition Man tells right you nothing. Right there. Um, nothing. <laughs> but it's, so it's interesting that they chose well, to And even, even the poster, like the poster itself doesn't actually sell the concept. So the poster itself is just a picture of Snipe, uh, Snipes and Stallone. So Stallone's on the left and Snipes is on the right. And they're facing together as if they're like they're weighing it at a a, a, a boxing match at the weigh-in at, at for the pre at the press conference for the boxing match, um, and that's the poster. And um, I'm trying to think. I can't remember what the strap line is uh, for the film itself, uh, but I kind of feel like it was um, something. It might have the future in it as the strap line. Um, just trying to think of the poster. It ever loads um yeah the future isn't big enough for the two of them mm. to be fair looking at the poster it's it's the 21st century's most dangerous cop and the 21st century's most ruthless criminal the future isn't big enough for the both of them and then there's some like some junk on the poster um but yeah he's dressed up more like he's from mad max um so wesley snipes character is very mad max influenced which again made me think about mad yeah. max 3 so i am not gonna lie i, I watched mad max 3 almost immediately <laughs> after this film freaking love those movies so good yeah 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 um i think this is a an absolutely solid box office popcorn num- mind-numbing movie that's just a little bit smarter than it needed uh, to be and somehow or other they none of this should have worked no none of this should have coalesced none of this should have come together it's by a it's by a director who seemingly had nothing on his plate beforehand joel silver is an absolute um behemoth of a of a film of a film producer crapped out more mm. hits than you and i are ever likely to, to to see in our lifetime um and somehow or other this came together and made a film um that uh was both poignant uh, mm. had something to say in a comedic way um, and succeeded despite yeah. itself. It's, it's so, way yeah. way better than it has any reason to be. Way, be- which is again uh, when um, Mike. I think we mentioned this every now and again. The podcast I originally wanted to do was a James Bond podcast, uh, but we wound up doing something else. But ultimately, the kind of film I like is a film that is better than it needs to be. And uh, RoboCop is so much better yep. than it needs to Agreed. be and demolition man is so much better than it needs to be because you can watch any of these other uh contemporary films by stallone and arnold schwarzenegger and very few of them uh, um, hold up today um, as anything other than an action vehicle for the star um in this case stallone but this one 
this one will actually i think transcend that a little bit um because it's 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 fun yeah it's good I, th- I think it's i think it's it's perfect it's one of my certainly one of my top 10 maybe one of my top five i i think it's brilliantly oh that it's, high it's absolutely i think it's it's put together just everything works and, and watching it's the first time i've watched it in a few years um watching it for this podcast but i enjoyed it enjoy it just as much every time i yeah it's definitely not been a few years since i've seen it I, I think i've seen it at least once in the last in the last little while uh so it's i've certainly seen it i've certainly seen it a little yeah, bit if you if you for listeners if you haven't seen it i, I completely recommend it it's it's much more than what you would expect um from this from, kind from of this, film from this kind yeah. of film does it does everything yeah. it's it's all of the all of the elements that you normally see in films of this era all of them and they all work right well cool there you go. yeah uh we should wrap this up um thanks for listening uh we'll be yeah we'll be back with with uh, another episode uh, in another few weeks uh fairly shortly i'd imagine what we're yeah. gonna do but we're um yeah we're gonna get back on schedule well, in schedule, the next film that we will be releasing will be for Valentine's Day, or we'll do a oh, Valentine's right. Day theme All episode. Right. So, I think I've got an idea of what we should be doing. All right, cool. Um, and well, on that note, in, in the meantime, uh, if you if you want to suggest a movie for us, you can hit us up on the socials. If you want to like and subscribe, uh, that helps. Please do helps, helps the channel, channel grow, y'all. Uh, as you know, uh, if you want to share this on Facebook. Um, please do uh, someone else if you know anyone who's into movies that you think would enjoy this podcast um, chuck it their way put it in their face put it, stick it yeah. stick it right in their nose right up their nose yeah social media not just for multi-level marketing well you can you know yeah. annoy people you went to school podcasts, with and send them a podcast recommendation pod, podcasts <laughs> mostly mostly absorbed through the ears maybe this one would work up the nose don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's something to try forcibly hold them down and pour it in their face yeah craig and i just make it we're not going to tell this is you're free to you're free to um your personal freedom you're free to to experience this podcast however you choose (laughs) i suppose uh in a cocktail inspired world you would be listening to this for school (laughs) all right thanks for listening see you next time craig all right see you mike bye everyone